Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. We are not over FaceTime this week. We are all in the den, so to speak. Brantley's yeah. here. Let's go. Ty is here. Yeah. We are coming off a three-game win streak in which we demolished, demolished. Felt so good. The Hawks and the Nets. Uh, we almost beat them by 100 combined. No lie. Um <laughs> But guys, if you if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, we are uh, by Memphis Grizzlies fans for Memphis Grizzlies fans. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review five stars. It goes a long way. Shout out to one star. One star. What up? Go to grizzden.com to uh, get all your Grizzden apparel. We've got some pretty cool shirts up there. We got a sweet joggles shirt. Uh, Super Tuesday just happened, but we are going to be voting for John Jaron. We John got a, Rand, we got a Jaron twenty twenty shirt. If you'll be repping that campaign, we got a Jonas Val- Jonas Valanciunas shirt. We got everything. It's a lot of fun. And Grizz cups. Don't forget about your little Grizz cups. Don't forget about the Grizz and hoodies. Cubs. March is still a little chilly. The hoodies man. are very soft. Super too. soft. I've heard from people. I need to get one myself. <laughs> people like myself that have one. Yeah, that's and true. It's real soft. It yeah, is. that's true. So go to the Grizzden.com. Uh, grab a shirt. We have also in this episode an awesome interview uh, with Graham Roll from the band Camino. Uh, note that we did record. I did record this interview with Graham on Saturday, so, which was prior to the Lakers game. So we were still coming out of our slump. So we talked about a little bit of the Grizzly struggles, but overall, I think you'll enjoy the interview. He talked all about um, forming the band Camino, where they are now. Um, if you're into music, you're going to really love this interview. And he's a huge Grizzlies fan as well. Just a really cool guy. So uh, we were pumped to get him on the podcast. Guys, we're in a good spot right now. Great Grizzly. How, how are we feeling? I'm feeling great. How are you feeling? I feel so good. <laughs> I'm feeling so good. was not we feeling good this, after man. Sacramento. We needed we needed this. And the Lakers win was just, it was, oh, it was, it so was wild. Okay, so what we're going to do, we have a ton to get to uh, before we have our interview. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to roll this out uh, and talk about everything within a segment we're going to call headlines. And what this is going to be is bite-sized increments of different things that uh, we had, have seen in the game that we want to talk about. Um, what are maybe some stats? We got we got all these types of things that we are going to be throwing out to you guys, and we're going to dive right in to our headlines. And I'm going to start top headline: three-game winning streak. We had two 39-point wins against Atlanta and Brooklyn, but we started that with a win at home against the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers have not lost a lot of games this year, and yet they came into the grindhouse and lost. Not only that, the Grizzlies had been suffering a five-game losing streak and snapped that against LeBron and AD, who both played. Yeah. They were not expected to play. The only one that was really out was Danny Green. Uh, this was actually tied for the second biggest win. Or no, 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 sorry. Atlanta and Brooklyn we're tied for the second biggest wins in Grizzlies history, and we did that in back-to-back nights. The first, the biggest win in Grizzlies history was actually in 2003 against the New Jersey Nets. We beat them by 47 points. However, two back-to-back games with 39, that's not bad. Uh, one of the things I noticed was in the second half, we outscored Brooklyn 66-34, to and Atlanta we outscored 75-39. to Beat down. Just unbelievable. And I got a tweet to share with you guys, and then we'll pass it on. Uh, so this is about the 39-point win. It said, from ESPN, Stats and Info, the Grizzlies followed a 39-point win at the Hawks on Monday by beating the Nets by 39 points. 
Memphis is the third team in NBA history to win consecutive road games by 35-plus points, joining the 69-70 Knicks and the 06-07 Spurs. Both of those teams went on to win the title. So, <laughs> I mean, what are, we, what are we supposed to do? Are you calling your shot right now? <laughs> Not quite, but close. Oh, that'd be nuts. Um, yeah, one point about that, uh, about the Lakers game, which we're about to get into, huge win. Um, some would say the John Morant game came out of the slump. Uh, as we referenced on the last, last pod, we needed him to hit some shots. A, take some shots. B, hit some shots. Uh, he did both. Um, lights out from three. Tried ending Anthony Davis's career on what would have been maybe the just most stupid dunk ever. Um, and our defense showed out. Held them to 88 points. I don't know if they had been held to less than 90 all year. I think this is the first time this season that that's happened. Um, huge impressive win uh, against L.A., which I was not feeling great about. Um, yeah, great win. Yeah, so <laughs> jumping to that headline, uh, the Lakers win, you know, the John Morant game. I think if we're sort of maybe moving into this one as our, as our kind of second talking point, Ja ended the game with 27 points, 14 assists. Um, and his impact on the game really was felt with his, I would say, aggressiveness and fluidity with just taking shots behind the arc um, whenever those defenders on the pick and roll um, were going underneath those screens and hedging into the lane, taking away his drive to the left, um, which is what Ja likes to do. He was pulling it. Uh, we talked about that last podcast. How we needed to, he needed to make that happen. We just, even if he maybe statistically was going to be a little less um, efficient than other three point shooters, that was something that we were sort of we begging little, him to uh, do. Had a little argument. bit of an argument, uh, which is you know great pod. It was I think, healthy. Served some argument. Healthy and, conflict. And it looked good. It wasn't like he uh, was clanking shots. Um, he, well, I think, sort of has a good feel for the game and when he's able to do that. And the other thing that I just, when I was reflecting on the game, um, his ability to make uh, Kyle Anderson relevant in the stretch from an offensive perspective, um, giving him the ball in some key moments to, to hit some shots when Ja was getting double teamed as soon as he crossed midcourt was, uh, it, you know, not to, to, speak hyperbolic but it sort of gave me goosebumps just watching it man it was just freaking awesome it was a different type of approach um than other defense have done against him and and you know credit to kyle he also finished them for sure and what a great way to close um in that game uh and, and bring us to a dub we might have a kyle debate coming later Ooh. but we'll see <laughs> go ahead ty um so yeah the thing the two things about john ja this game is adjustments were made and jaw does not does not lack confidence at all in any part of his game, right? So he's been struggling from three a little bit. We talked about it the last 12 or 15 games or so. He had been shooting like 18% from three, which is pretty bad. Comes out against the Lakers, huge game, and just pulls it. No hesitation. Steps into these shots. And at one point looked over at his dad, T, from the sideline and said, I'm in my bag. Like you could read his lips. Like he was feeling himself in the Lakers game. I love the confidence. The dude thinks he's the best player on the floor every time he laces them up. We think he's the best um, player on the floor, too. I think he's the best player yeah. on the floor. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like you said, so it was really cool if you listen to the post-game interview with Ja um, and Jenkins, Coach Jenkins. They both said, like, hey, the Lakers started blitzing Ja. What do we do? 
And they both came up with like the same idea at the same time. Let's have a guy kind of play in that short roll position where we can get him the ball and make a play. And they both mentioned Kyle was the guy to do that. And empowering the players, yeah. putting them in positions to be successful is what a coach all is all about. And Ja like seconding that, I thought was awesome. So it's really cool that they're um, step for step, right, on how to solve problems, um, create solutions, and it obviously worked out really well. And I thought that was just awesome that a rookie point guard and a rookie coach are coming together, heads together, and making winning solutions. Yeah, so uh, moving on to the uh, next point, in the Atlanta game, we had nine guys in double figures. Nine. nine. That's wild. Ten dressed out. I'm just kidding. I don't know how many dressed out. <laughs> Uh, even Guterich and Wadanabe got some run. Even Yudoff, who just caught up out of the blue. He tried his hardest to score last night against Brooklyn. Uh, man, but he was still great, and he's our 15th man. That's not too bad. Um, not too bad. One of the guys, though, the guy that probably stood out the Let's most in go. this run, Josh Jackson. He got the post-game interview with Rob Fisher last night. But Deserved it. He was one of those guys in, in, the, uh, in the Atlanta game. He had 16 points. He played 24 minutes. And then the next night, he had 19 points on like 17 minutes yep. against Brooklyn. Um, there's, a, there's an argument to be made that he was the most valuable player in that Brooklyn game. He came out, gave energy. He, uh, he was doing the little things. And even I loved, I loved in the last couple of games, his very first shot is just behind the arc has gone in. And yep. I feel like that was the one thing that we had talked about with him in earlier pods about when he was having those early game struggles and had to sort of get in the flow of the game. And now he's coming out with the confidence and the pink shoes and just yes. wet from behind the arc. Um, and since the break, he's he's averaging 12 on 21 uh, minutes a game. And so I think that's that's been a really, really cool revelation and might be playing himself into a contract. Mm, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I think – he he is definitely paying himself into a contract. Um, I think right now Grizzlies fans are hoping that it's with us. A subtle reminder that a lot of people have brought up um, over the past couple of days, the one that I'm referencing right now that caught my eye was John Morant's Bright Future Grizzlies Burner account. It's a you know, journalism major at Memphis. <laughs> He's got the baby Yoda. Uh, John Morant Yoda is his um, Instagram um, handle profile picture. Just that uh, – we got Josh Jackson and D'Anthony Melton for Javon Carter and Kyle Korver. Uh, and we also got a second-round pick back in that deal. Two of them. Um, two of them. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for correcting my numbers. That's called a, sl- <laughs> a live stats correction. So, yeah, that's real good uh, from my perspective. But, yeah, he, he – we talked about this, I think, right when he first got some of his um, initial playing time um, in New York and against the Pelicans, where he was sort of moving a little bit slower um, uh, than some of the other players on the court. It looked like he was trying to catch he up the game speed. He looked yeah, a little yeah. lost. And and now the dude is, like, carrying our bench uh, with Tyus Stones. So, Speaking of Tyus Stones, is he the best backup point guard in the league? I mean, <laughs> could you make the argument? There's a great argument for that, I think, right now. So one thing I think about with Stones, I'm just going to refer to him as Stones forever. So if I say <laughs> Stones, I'm talking about him. <laughs> I think it's the best thing. If his, if the ball is in his hands, like, do you have any bit of concern or worry ever? No. I mean, he was he came in with the assist, highest assisted turnover ratio all time. And if he starts making shots especially these threes that he's Ooh. making, 
like not only a super solid backup, but put him in situationally with Ja, right? Stretch the floor, make solid plays. He's always in passing lanes. He's probably not the best like on ball defender because he's kind of a smaller guy, but he's super smart. He may be the I don't know. I feel like our basketball IQ of the whole team is really high. Um, but Tyus is way up there. Sorry, Stones is way up there. <laughs> Stones is way up there. Um, I just, yeah, I have next to his name on our little Google Doc, just solid in all caps. Solid as a rock? He's just he's just <laughs> as solid as it comes. I think one of the things that's fun about the success that's happened over the past week, uh, and if I don't know if any of you guys have listened to the Chris Vernon podcast from Friday, I believe, where he interviewed Zebo. And Tony Allen, um, those guys together sort of talked about uh, ne- the next man up mentality that, you know, is really not that say that other franchises don't have this as part of their foundation and ethos, but Grizzlies fans are accustomed to it, right? That's how we grew to love TA and some, you know, other players um, for the franchise during the success of the of the whole Col- core four era. And not to say that that Stones didn't have a major role prior to some of these injuries, but the dude has stepped up in a major way, taking on a a lot more attempts um, than uh, he previously was doing and, and and a little bit more minutes. So, um, you know, really just like around two or three, but he's, he's, he's taking the ball and looking at from a um, uh, eye test perspective, a lot more aggressive. We talked about this a little bit, I think too last week, but it's starting to pay off and, and, and helping to provide some lift to that team. So one another thing, I want to give a shout-out, which we may talk about the front office later. But this summer, we made a decision to sign Tyus. Basically, the decision was to bring back DeLon Wright or sign Tyus Jones. I think we made the right decision. Um, and we'll talk about Gorgie here in a second with the front office stuff. But they, it's just another sign that they just keep hitting it. I trust everything they do. Yeah, and the guy, another guy over the last few games that had uh, – Big performance was a big guy named Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. In the last four games, he's pulled down 75 rebounds. That's over 18 rebounds per game. He had 25 in the Lakers game. He had 10 in the first quarter last night against Brooklyn. Um, I put this in here for fun. I was doing a little bit of research on like rebounding records. Um, Wilt Chamberlain had the NBA record for all-time rebounds. Who was surprised at 55 in a game. So I don't think anybody's getting near that anytime soon. However, Jonas had a ton. And I think that we had had some concerns during our losing streak about Jonas, uh, especially the lack of uh, of stretching the floor that he brings to uh, – yes, we were leading – we're still leading the league in paint points, and he's a large reason for that. Um, but it's almost like his aggressiveness and his dominance on the boards has compensated – for his lack of of three point shooting, and even then, he even hit a couple threes in this four game stretch, and um, I think that he, I mean, anytime you, you have a guy who has twenty and twenty in a game, uh, or Super the impressive. ability to have that, you're gonna want him, and so I think that Jonas has really proven his worth, um, and it, that's been a headline for me. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think him jumping in. And providing that value there has been huge for the team. He's also one of those guys that I was thinking about it 
you know, with without some you know major stat to back this up, I just don't ever really feel like he gets in super foul trouble. So yeah. he, you can pretty consistently count on him on the floor. Uh, there's there's very few times that I'm looking up and like, man, we need our big bruiser in the game and we can't go to him, um, which I think is a really undervalued trait of his. Um, he he you know positions himself well. And I think, um, you know, doesn't take a whole lot of risk on the defensive end, which allows him to be consistent, stay on the floor, and provide solid minutes. It's yeah. especially important playing next to Jaron Jackson when Jackson yep. comes back. And he hasn't really been injured, which is another key. Yeah. All of the rest of our front court, essentially. Yeah, knock on wood over here. Um, he's not injured. Um, so we are in a three-point shooting uh, make-or-miss league over the past two games. First, the Nets, our team, uh, we shot – um, 45.5% um, as a team going 20 for 44. First, the Hawks, uh, we shot 44% going 14 of 32. Guys, can you, um, like two years ago, would you have imagined the fact that we've got a Grizzlies team that's taking 32 and 44 threes a game yeah. and shooting 45% from the field with, by the way, our best three-point shooter injured? Yep. It's crazy, and it still seems low when you look at the league. Totally. But for us, it's a brand-new revelation, and it's been great. And it's still it's just crazy. I mean, that's what the league is now. Yeah, and it's so even when we aren't making shots, so that's why we were obviously – a lot of things went to that losing streak. But one of the main things, two top things, we weren't making shots, and our competition was just really, really tough. We were playing, like, really solid teams. But when we play teams, let's just say on par with us, maybe you could argue we're probably better. We're way better than Atlanta, actually. But Brooklyn, um, they're the seven or eight seed right now in the East, right? Uh, we're probably four games up on them. You could kind of compare them to. And when we make shots, we beat them by 39 points or 38 points or whatever it is. So when we make shots, this team is crazy dangerous. Um, so, yeah, here's the hoping we continue this, this hot, hot shooting. And fun fact, we uh, shot better from three than we did just from the floor against Brooklyn, which yeah, how many times have that has that happened? <laughs> it's also funny to watch like Brooklyn and Atlanta, their defense. I don't know if y'all watch these games, but their defense is so bad. Oh, it's hard. Like Atlanta did not try at all. Guess like, whose defense is so good? Bad. The Grizz. Grizz defense, second best in the league Let's during go. All-Star, <laughs> since All-Star break. It's insane. Uh, to you, to your guys' point, I mean, Brooklyn, 17% from three. Atlanta, 26% from three. Lakers, 26 per, f- from three. I mean, you could say, yeah, teams have bad shooting nights, but you got to give some credit to yeah, the defense. Yeah, and like field goal percentage. Brooklyn and Atlanta basically shot 33 and 32% from the field, respectively. That's bad. Like, that's real bad. Yeah. And I think one of the, we were sort of starting to – catch on a little bit to maybe the the uh, offensive or the defensive adjustments that the teams had put on uh, the Grizzlies right before the break and it was sort of you know muddying up the game and then our defense sort of started to clamp down and you know what you love to hear particularly as a Memphis fan is the whole team starting to embrace the identity of a defensive focused team um, you know kind of zagging against the league but now actually being able to shoot shoot threes fairly efficiently, but having um, a focus on defense, that's what builds longevity in terms sure. of actually being able to make runs in the playoffs, having, sure. having individual players, and then that bubbles up as a team, being able to buy into that. Hearing Josh Jackson, who had his second highest scoring night 
um, you know, a couple games ago. And the first thing, or last night, he the first thing he references is the defense. He's not even necessarily talking about um, his offensive production. He's talking about we we bought into defense as a team, and Memphis fans love that, and it's paying off um, and making up maybe for some offensive deficiencies as we're still trying to figure out and sort things out. Some of the plays Jackson makes on defense, He's especially in the half court, super active, just unbelievable, or just like living in passing lanes. Yep. And in the um, especially in the Kings game, I thought he was going to single handedly win that for us at the yeah, end. Yeah, he had two late possession steals, which is huge. And I think there's something to be like. There's a reason one of the more common phrases in all of basketball, maybe all of sports, is defense wins championships. Like it's super important. Um, and you could almost argue that maybe two of our three best defenders are out right now. Maybe our best rim protector in Jaron is out. Um, and who's to say Justice won't become our best perimeter defender? I mean, you could argue that that's his big ad. This his best attribute is defense because he can lock up basically one through four. Um, he's not playing right now. Um, I think team defense and the biggest thing with defense is effort, right? Like when you try hard. I mean, yeah, you may lapse on some stuff. Like we talked about, Josh maybe get lost on a backdoor cut. That's not necessarily effort as far as awareness, more awareness. But still, like every guy that comes into the game is trying hard, start to finish of the game. One of the reasons why our defense actually is uh, producing, if you will, at um, the the rate that they are, is because of uh, Gorgie, uh, fan newly new new favorite of the Grizzden Pod, Jang, and um, you know I think as we had discussed on previous podcasts, at least myself, I was a little skeptical of how much we gave up in previous um, you know uh, veteran players who were having an impact on the floor that maybe were a little bit. Um, hard to measure. Um, I was a little suspect of what Gorgie uh, potentially could do um, on the floor with this team. Now, with um, like we just like Ty just referenced, with Jaron and BC out, uh, Gorgie's been able to shine within that second unit and with getting reps with a lot of our starters in yeah. certain sets. And um, Dan Devine actually tweeted this out um, earlier today, where the Grizzlies actually <clears throat> are giving up. Three, um, almost three and a half um, fewer points per 100 possessions with Gorgie on the floor. Um, so when you think about the fact that we have the second best defensive rating um, of any NBA team behind the Bucks, by the way, um, since the All-Star break, Gorgie is a huge um, part of that. And, you know, I, I believe that it's not only his um, defensive prowess, if you will, and his um, ability to, to make an impact on the floor, but it's also his veteran leadership. Sure. You started to hear Brevin even mention that, um, and Rob Fisher mentioned that last the, the past couple of nights on the on the um, telecast, where they were saying they were overhearing Gorgie really speaking up in team huddles and things like that. To me, that that says multiple things. A uh, our front office, Taylor Jenkins, is encouraging someone like Gorgie to do that. Gorgie's doing it, and it's being heard and and well-received because yeah. he's speaking highly of the team. So you can just see this kind of full circle of chemistry happening, and it's having an effect on the court. Speaking of veteran leadership, we signed Anthony Tolliver three hours before the Atlanta game. Uh, and as Pete and Brevin were on the broadcast saying – like in the in the very first timeout, he had barely even knew these guys on the team. They were talking about his encouragement on the bench. I think Fisher Rob Fisher came in with like a report that like Tolliver was in was in Jaw's ear saying, you know, keep staying aggressive. He was in everybody's ear saying just like getting them pumped. And that's amazing. And then he came in and he went four 
four for five from three. Looks smooth. Yes, in eighteen <laughs> minutes. I couldn't help but but Youth think is this a is this a Solomon Hill replacement? Yeah, I mean, it looks like it on the court. Yeah, for sure. So you 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 obviously you hate to lose guys like Crowder and Solo, but then you sign you you trade for Gorgie Jang, but then and then you sign Anthony Tolliver. It looks like we've gotten back some of that leadership as you were just discuss, referencing Brantley. Yeah, he's a th- he's like Brantley loves to talk about. It. Are you a three point threat? Do teams have to acknowledge that you're in the corner on the wing? Do they have to worry about you? Right. It's just the fact that like man, he might can hit a shot. It terrifies teams. Um, and Anthony Tolliver is that guy. Mm-hmm. Like he hit four from fr- four for five. Like we said, um, if you leave him open, like he's a thirty, I think thirty seven percent three-point shooter for his career, which is pretty impressive. Um, he had been a little bit cold this year. I don't think he had shot very well this year from three, playing with the Kangs, who we'll get to, Ugh. the Sacramento Kings, by the way. Um, <laughs> had to clarify that. Uh, yeah, love his leadership. Um, he's going to come in and play hard. He's going to make a the right basketball play, and he's a danger from three, which is what Solo was, right? We literally just replaced Solo on the buyout market. Uh, which is super impressive. Uh, guys, if I were to ask you who the MVP of the Lakers game was, who would you say? Easily say John Conchar. John <laughs> Conchar. <laughs> I was expecting you to say Ja, and then I was going to come in and say John Conchar. John <laughs> Conchar? <laughs> yeah, perfect. Sorry, I meant, I meant Steve Conchar. <laughs> he looks like a Steve. Uh, Conchar was, is a guy who's been playing a lot for our G League team. Uh, he uh, was signed from, I think he was an undrafted free agent, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly, from Purdue-Fort Wayne. Purdue-Fort Wayne, not Purdue. Right. <laughs> he had five. I legitimately was confused about that yeah. for at least the first four not or five Purdue. times that I saw that we we signed Purdue him. Fort oh, yeah. Wayne. It's like that's a different thing. Five points, three, three rebounds, two assists, and two steals in 12 minutes versus the Lakers. He looks like a guy that does all the little things. Yes. Like, And it, I think, okay, it's funny that we're even spending time talking about John Conchar, but the point is, what it's all about, man. this is why we exist as a podcast. That's true. That's true. <laughs> what am I saying? No, but my my overall point in this is our depth. If you For look, sure. if you look at our highest net rating as far as lineups go, with a minimum twenty minutes played together. Uh oh, what is this stat about to tell me? This is about to be amazing. Are you ready for the five? <laughs> Tyus Jones, John Conchar, Josh Jackson, Anthony Tolliver, and Gorky Jang. <laughs> Uh, well, can you sample say small size sample, on that? two games? Uh, but minimum twenty minutes. You know, there's not there a lot of lineups yeah. that it, there's probably like twenty total lineups who have played more than twenty minutes of the Grizzlies. Just saying. Okay, so this is I think like the whole Mister Do Something title that Brevin started and DeAnthony has earned thus far. John, there we're about to get like version two of that. Yeah. Uh, on a completely different note, the thing that I've loved about seeing him in the game, because he's doing all the, the Mr. Do Something things, but when the dude takes shots from behind the arc, the whole bench is standing up, like feeling like it's about to go in. Yeah. That, to me, tells me that bro is rolling in practice. And his team, the entire bench, the stars believe in that guy. He think, I mean, He's getting minutes over Goodrich. And he's your ninth man. I right mean, he's, now. he's kind yeah. of, yeah. I mean, when you talk about players stepping up and kind of this reputation and the history that the Grizzlies have about bringing people up 
I mean, Jamichael Green was one of those type of players. I mean, you've got guys like yeah. that in our history that have added value to this team, you know, at periods of time. To get an unsigned guy like that who now your entire bench, like, legitimately believes every time he's taking a shot it's going to go yeah. in, like, that gets me hyped. Yeah. And the beauty of him is, again, we get, like, the, the same thing with Stones is <laughs> – don't laugh at that. It's, it's just like it was so smooth. I'm just it, he is stones to me, like Conchar, smooth like just Conchar. smooth like Conchar. It just rolls off the tongue. Conchar, like you can trust him. Like he's gonna make the right play. He's gonna play extremely hard. He's not gonna try to do too much. Um, and his block against Dwight Howard in the Lakers game was one of the most oh, glorious moments it was. of the Grizzlies season. It Former awesome. Grizzly Dwight Howard. Former Grizz. Shout out. But yeah, man, like you, sometimes it takes G League call ups and they can play like a certain role for you. Yeah, they're not going to be like stars. They're not going to like lead your team, but they can be your eighth, ninth man sometimes. Look at Duncan Robinson, Miami. The dude is playing in the G League. Um, Kendrick Nunn, they're starting point guard right now, playing in the G League. Like things can happen. Jamichael is an excellent example of that. Thank he you. played a huge role for the Grizz. Um, he's a really good player, like a super solid player. Sometimes you can find those guys that can chip in and do their part. Um, and our obviously our front office was super high on him. Signed him immediately. Yeah. Like he, we didn't draft him obviously, but we signed him immediately after the draft um, to that contract. So I mean, they obviously know they like him too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Goes to show uh, that our 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 organization right now has. A, a sort of a Spursian feel to it right it's now, which level. is bold. Yeah. But what I mean is a team like the Spurs, they're known for being super detail oriented, super into player development yep. where every single move matters. Um, I would say probably the best example right now, the Spurs are kind of obviously faltering. The best example would probably be a team like the Bucks or like the Raptors. Mm hmm. Uh, but the Grizz are kind of the light version of that right now, and I you think we're seeing something too. special. And most of it, most of the time, you're you're seeing it in how deep is your bench? Yeah. yeah, like are you star heavy, or are you are you building a full team? And if you haven't listened to the Woj Pod, the Adrian Wojnarowski Pod, where Taylor Jenkins, head coach of the Grizzlies, was interviewed, you really need to go back and listen to it. It's around a thirty to thirty-five minute interview, I think. And uh, it was really cool actually just going into hearing sort of Taylor's um, progression just in his, you know, vocational career, how he kind of got his start, um, hearing some of the things that as a 30, you know, now currently a 34-year-old, like what am I doing with my life? I'm 33. But uh, what he was doing with his life to kind of get started, um, you know, kind of knowing he wanted to get into front office management with the, and he was got to start with the Spurs and grew up with, uh, a lot of coaches that are now coaching you know, across the league, the guy has this uh, understanding of the organization and a pedigree that I believe is forming, like we talked about this a couple of episodes ago, this really great partnership with the front office, uh, with ownership, and how that carries down into every um, you know member from a uh, – you know, there it's the, the the Grizzlies are more than a team than just the people that are on the court. For sure, the whole team is actually the organization that are pulling these people in. And um, as fans, you, we have to understand that and be grateful for it, and understand like what's happening uh, and how that's contributing to the to the success on on the court. Yeah, and one thing 
that our front office and Jenkins has mentioned is not just success, but like sustained success, right? We want to be a winning franchise, not just like have a good few seasons when we hit on a lottery pick and jaw. Like we want to be that perennial playoff contender every single year. And to do that, we, again, it goes back to this building of a culture. Um, and it starts at the very, very top and it kind of goes down from there. Um, I just love that both of our guys are really young, um, as in the GM and head coach are both, yeah, under the age of 34. Um, let me think. So, yeah, he Jenkins is 34. Jenkins is 34, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, Kleiman, I think, is around that age, too. I was trying too, to yeah. figure out how old he is, 32 maybe? Yeah. Something like that? I don't Man, know. Man, I feel like a terrible um, person. Super young guy. I'm starting to po- – I'm doing a podcast, though. It's great. I know. They've, like – they've bought in and they understand the things that some of these NBA teams, like, have no idea about. And they already get it. Um, it's just super encouraging. I would recommend going to listen to Jenkins – uh, he just seems like super solid. He's all yeah. about relationships with players, and you can tell. So about that, the Josh Jackson thing, like I, you had no idea how this was going to go. Like we sent him to the G League, and a lot of people, um, Anthony Sane, one of my favorite Twitter uh, Twitter people. Shout out. Is. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, follow him, read his stuff. I really like him a lot. Um, he was just not understanding of – um, the Josh Jackson thing in the G League. And I, I was like, that. I mean, I get it. A little bit, I get it. But you kind of have to trust these guys. And you know that it, it wasn't like a punishment type thing. Um, there was very much dialogue going on. And Josh has been nothing but praising the coach, the whole Grizz organization moving forward. Um, I think that says a lot, too, about like players buying in. Like every, Even Josh, who was sent to the G League, he was a number four overall pick. Like, if anyone's supposed to feel entitled, it's this guy. Yeah. Um, and he has come in and just played his tail off, done everything asked of him, and I hope that benefits this offseason. Josh, come back, my guy. When you think of organizations with potentially bad cultures, who is an organization that you think of that may or may not be the Grizzlies' biggest threat to take over the eight seed currently? Uh, Well, I mean, it's Sacramento. Kangs. The Kangs, baby, as our friend, uh, ex-Grizzlies front office, uh, uh, John Hollinger tweeted out today. Yeah, so all of the hype right now, and again, I, as a marketing person, understand why the hype is happening on Zion and the Pelicans. They have all these games slated in. They got to push them. They want to see the Pelicans make a push for the playoffs because that's a better story for the one versus eight seed uh, if the Pels make it. However, the Kings are currently the biggest competition in my mind, um, for us, because not only are they um, only uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know really close to us from a game back perspective, Darren Fox also guards Ja from an eye test perspective, Crazy and Chris Vernon well. talked about this a lot on his podcast, yeah. and I agree with him that he tends to be the one to guard Ja the best, other than Ben Simmons in my mind or Drew Holiday. Yep, um, he's got the speed and athleticism to stay in front of him. So um, our matchups with him moving forward, I feel. And sort of bearish on, and they're right behind us. So uh, I think they've got a couple uh, a game tonight that I'm hoping that they're going to lose, and uh, keep a close eye on the Kangs. Oh yeah, and we're going to talk way more about the playoffs on the other side of this podcast. But we got an interview to get to, guys. It is a grand roll coming up from the Band Camino. Hope you enjoy it. Stay with us.
keep me waiting You know there's a call that you missed You know that I get impatient Cause I know you saw that shit You got me on the back burn, baby You got me staying up all night You got me in a situation But you gotta know this isn't right Got me out here, got me thinking what I would do Got me in my head, got me wishing I was with you I'll be outside, I've been cooped up, watch out We now welcome on a very special guest. He is the bass player for the band Camino. If you've never heard of the band Camino, you need to turn off this podcast right now and go listen to them. They're an incredible band. They uh, had their start, got their start here in Memphis, and uh, they're now doing a bunch of really cool stuff. Graham, welcome on to the Grizzden podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're going to get to uh, the Grizzlies because you're a huge fan. And uh, but but first, I want to talk about so you and the band just got back from your first trip over to Europe uh, on your headlining tour. How how was Europe, man? Dude, it was crazy. Uh, we had been to the UK once in November. We just did like two one off oh, shows that's in right. Manchester and London. But uh we went back for like a full full run. We did um London, uh Leeds, Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow, and then Paris, Cologne, uh Berlin, Munich, Amsterdam. I think I might be forgetting another German one. Uh and then Antwerp. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it it was only like three weeks, but it felt like we were there for like a year yeah <laughs> um, just because like touring over there is so like i mean obviously like when we're over here we have a little bit more luxuries like we have like a bus over here and the rooms are a little bit more like what we're used to but when you go back to europe it's like not like taking a step back in time but it's definitely like humbling because logistically like you can't have like your full rig over there because like you gotta we have to like ship it and all that stuff so Back in the van with like nine dudes, which is totally fine, but uh, it's definitely like an adjustment, uh, especially like the language barrier and everything. But um, all the fans are amazing, like, they're very um, appreciative that you're over there. Like, you can tell that they, um, I mean, obviously, they've waited a long time if they've listened to us since the beginning, so uh. It's really cool, and uh, they're very quiet, like in between songs. It's like kind of shocking. Really? Uh, yeah, they uh, they're totally respectful, but like when you finish a song, they're not like talking to each other, like "Oh, that song was sick." They're just silent. That's interesting. Which is actually like very respectful, but it's really strange when you're on stage at first because you're like, "What the heck?" Yeah, especially going to a rock show uh, when you know it's just like. <laughs> You expect it to be loud, just kind of roaring almost the entire time, unless y'all do like a, a, a you know, broken down set in the middle or something like that. But that's really interesting. Yeah, I I would rather do it that way where like you're used to Americans being loud in between songs than the opposite. Because I've heard it's kind of hard for British acts when they come over here 
because like they're used to the silence and then they're talking yeah that's true i would rather it be the opposite way but they're really sweet um and they're very appreciative so it was really cool it was very surreal also yeah what was what was your favorite stop on that three-week tour um so amsterdam was really cool um i liked paris a lot it was really difficult um logistically because driving in paris is like worse than new york city i would argue Hmm. Uh, especially with a van and trailer uh there's like not people don't follow like street rules there they just kind of go um and it's it's kind of a nightmare but it's really cool um and then germany was cool we got to see a lot of it we were there we're in germany most of the time just because of routing it was cool but uh it was really weird time to be over there because brexit happened like when we were in london oh wow and then um, that's right yeah like nothing really like it wasn't like a big day it seemed like like just day-to-day stuff but then coming back from europe into the uk it was a lot harder like you could tell that they haven't had to really do that with european citizens in a long time and everything took a long time so that was interesting um but yeah and scotland was really cool too beautiful how was the food uh so it's really weird um all of us definitely gained some weight on the trip. <laughs> uh, all the food is like really fried, especially in the UK. Yeah. Uh, until we started figuring out that Indian food's really good over there. Mm. Um, so then we started eating a lot of Indian food. And that was nice. Um, and then Germany's cool. Like they have a lot of good sausages, like uh, currywurst and bratwurst and all that. That was cool. Um, but it, it was really cool. Um, the food's definitely, it's all like bar food. Um, I don't want to sound like disrespectful because it was really good, but it's, it's like pretty hard to like, we, we try to be healthy when we're touring just because like we're overly conscious of the fact that we only eat at like midnight after a show right? and like you're usually drinking a lot. Right. So like you try to be a little bit healthier, but it's definitely more difficult over there, especially if it's like late and you're in Germany and no one speaks the language and you're just like sausage. Just yeah, give me like just point to, the, point to something on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Graham, can you take us through? So you you guys released your first EP in 2016, if I have that right. Yeah. Um, how? So y'all are all from Mem- or I guess you, Jeffrey, and Spencer from Memphis. How did y'all, how did, how did this whole thing get started? How did y'all, how did y'all meet? And then from there, how did you uh, realize that this is something that you all might want to do together and start? Yeah. So I'll give you like the abridged story because it's quite long. But um, so basically I met Jeff when I was 17. Um, He had a country project I was playing on um, at You'll know because I played with you and Sam. Yeah. Uh, I, I played bass and like pretty much anyone that would have me uh, as a bassist when I was like getting started. So I did like a lot of freelance stuff, played for Jeff. Um, and me and Jeff hit it off. Like, I mean, other guys in the band were tight, but like, especially I remember like one time I was with Jeff and I was like, yo, dude, like, I really like believe in you. Um, and like, I love playing bass for you. <laughs> and I would love to like do anything else. And he's like, yeah, cool. And it's funny, Jeff has actually never played a show with a different bass player. So we're like a married couple. It's really sweet. But uh, anyway, um, so he started going less country and made it like he wanted to make like an Americana type band. So we expanded the band, added Spencer on keys, and Andrew, our first drummer, was playing. 
And one day we actually rehearsed at Briarcrest at the band room after school hours until they figured out we were doing that. Wouldn't let us do it anymore. <laughs> but like we, we rehearsed there for like a year at least. Um, anyway, we were running like all the country songs. And like at this point, like Jeff was like, like it was his artist thing and we were the band. And then he started playing this like riff uh, that happened to be young, our first song. Oh, um, yeah. And we all like, started playing and it was everything we came up with in the moment was what became the song and that was the first time for all of us that we had done that and the first time for all of us that we were like wait like what if we were a band like what if we were all the artists instead of like even jeff was like what if it wasn't just me like what if it was a band and we were like could be pretty cool and so we kind of were like all right cool and then so we kind of went that direction um slowly started writing more songs as a band um and then we had to come up with a name so i saw an el camino and i was like oh camino is cool and they were like i don't know but like no one had suggested anything good and at that point i was like we have to do something um so i argued that any band name is stupid until they're either really famous or you just say it a lot yeah um and, which is pretty true and then i was like camino will look cool on a t-shirt and so we're like all right cool camino. <laughs> i love that but then we made all the socials and Camino was taken. Um, so it became the band Camino. And then like the first show, someone was like, hey, the band Camino. And we were like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. It's like kind of weird. Um, but it's like kind of weird enough where like you remember it a little bit more. Right, right. So we were just like, yeah, let's stick with that. So we started gigging more. Um, and then pretty much all of us, like we were really into the fact that we were all part of something bigger than just like one person um so we all kind of slowly decommitted <clears throat> from other responsibilities musically and like made it known that this was like our priority and uh we got a lot of like kickback locally in like the music scene for that um just because like the things we were in at the time were actually like more established acts in town um mm. and so it was a little bit strange that these guys that were basically like arguably choosing this different path um, for something they believed in. And we are like, oh, cool. I mean, we're going to do it. So we just kept doing it. And then we started touring and we started seeing that like people like really were having a reaction to it and like knew all the words, even at like when we had like a hundred people at shows, like I remember the first time I was like, this is for real. Was, uh, we played Otherlands. Um, and I mean, everyone played there back in the day yeah so we had played there a ton and then but this one was like i mean like wall-to-wall -wall people like definitely way over fire cap and uh <laughs> we did black and white um it's one of our songs and everyone sang like all of it like we never we just stopped playing like the third chorus basically spencer didn't sing it and that's that's like literally the last time he's played that chorus live like every show since people wow. just always sing it it's insane um and so at that moment i was like oh, okay this is different like this could be like legit so i started touring more doing all that and then um i think like 2016 um like later 2016 uh it might have been 2017 actually uh andrew uh wanted to go a separate direction uh so he quit um totally fine uh love the guy um and he just wanted to pursue other things. So we were kind of in limbo. And we were, like, trying out a few different drummers. And then 
we had a guy that was filling in for us and then we played a show at newbies and this guy like came up and was like oh man like i i love i love your music like i live in nashville um i'm really connected with a lot of writers in town if you'd ever want to write or just like need a place to crash in nashville or need some connections like let me know and we're like cool sweet um and turns out that that would eventually become our manager jameson roper oh that's cool. uh, but like the first like three months of our relationship he was just a friend and he he's a real estate agent in nashville um just very well connected uh great guy really passionate about songs and the industry and businessman like stuff which is really nice to have um but yeah we basically he we approached him with the idea to manage us because we were like man you know it'd be a really good manager jameson Mm. and he was like no i'm not gonna do it and we're like oh yeah but like you really want to do it. I know you do. <laughs> so he ended up doing it. Uh, and then we were really trying to find like a drummer to like be like a member of the band, like kind of the way Andrew was. Cause we hadn't really had that since he left. Um, and we tried out a lot of people um, and everyone was good. But like the thing was, it really came down to the vibe between all four of us and like, how good of a hang they were and just like knowing the songs. Yeah. That's super important You're with yeah. them all the time. And it was like super frustrating because we're in Nashville. So everyone's good. So it's not like someone sucks at the drums. They're all good. Right. Um, but finding the right fit was really hard. And um, I was like super frustrated at this point. We really needed a drummer. Like Jameson plays drums and he was like filling in. And I mean, he's great, but like his role is definitely the manager, not the drummer. And mm-hmm. it was just like, he was like stressed about it. We were stressed about it. We were like, we gotta do something. So I find this guy, his name's Garrison Burgess, and I'm like, let's get coffee. Uh, like a mutual friend that connected us. And he sent me like two videos of him playing, and I was like, all right, he's good, but that doesn't matter. Like, I wanna see like what he's like. And as soon as we got coffee, I was like, dude, this guy, like, he has like the same like work ethic as me. Like, yes, this is the guy. Uh, and so then. I hadn't even seen him play, and I called James, and I was like, yo, this is the guy. And he was like, did you see him play? And I was like, no, just trust me. And so I was just, like, kind of nervous because, like, damn, I hope he doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, fast forward a little bit, we had a 4th of July party. We were all drinking. And then uh, in our basement, uh, we had, like, a drum kit set up and some stuff, and all our musician friends were just jamming. And uh starts playing, and Garrison's down there playing with our other friends, not the band. And I hear someone playing drums really well, and I'm like, yes, that's Garrison. Yes, he's good. So we go down there, <laughs> and then we jammed with them, and I was like, see, I told you. That's awesome. And then, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> that's um, that's wild. Yeah, and uh moved to Nashville, like I guess, two years ago at this point. Um, signed with Electra Records. Uh, it's been great. Man, yeah, I I remember so just for some background on how you and I know each other. I played uh, some rhythm guitar for an artist named Sam Mooney. Uh, we were both in Oxford at going Ole Miss at the time, and Graham played bass with us. I guess you played for like two or three gigs, and I remember yeah. we rehearsed in Memphis before I think our hard rock gig or something like that. And you were talking about this other project that you were working on. Uh, called Camino and I remember you y'all hadn't released anything yet but you played the beginning of 214 and I was like oh my gosh <laughs> like this <laughs> I remember is that unbelievable and and I remember still like you uh I think after that y'all were basically going about to go on tour or something like that and so 
you know, we kept playing and all of a sudden I saw this EP drop and uh, I think it was like five or six songs and all of them. I was like, okay, this is, this is for real. And uh, I just, I've been the biggest fan ever since and just been, it's been so cool to watch you guys grow. Um, Thanks man. So I have just like, I guess just like a, a music and, and band growth question. So yeah. I got it. I got to think that, you know, at the very beginning, it's the four of you guys, y'all are doing everything. Mm-hmm. You're doing all the promotion. You're doing not only just everything that has to do with the music itself, but you're having to do everything outside of that. As y'all have grown to where you are today, uh, how much of that have you had to collaborate? I know you mentioned Jameson as, as a guy who came in and as yeah. a manager. How how much of that right now is is still, I guess, in-house with you guys versus you know you bringing in a team and i'm just interested in how how growth happens from from that standpoint because i mean it really is kind of like a small business at this yeah, point uh, dude it, it's crazy how much like a business it is <laughs> it's insane i don't think any of i mean we all realized that it would be like that but once it's like it's really crazy how we are honestly most days businessmen <laughs> right <laughs> instead of like a musician um but yeah that's a great question uh I think part of the growth has been um, like releasing control a little bit of some things. So like, first off, everything is still like in house and like comes from us and our label does like, uh, they'll do a lot. They do a lot for us, Um, but they'll run it by us. And like, we have like a plan with them. And then Jameson's kind of our main liaison uh, of like expressing the band's vision uh, to people because to be quite honest, there's a lot of people um, at the label that have their hands on stuff. Uh, right. So we, we have to like, it, it's very, at the same time you want it like to be like everyone in the band wants to be constantly controlling, micromanaging everything about it, but that's not possible at this level. Um, and it's also not healthy because like, it's just so much and it's hard to be like, it's hard to divide your brain so many ways and be like, all right, businessman, finance, uh, promotion, like album art, branding. Also, I have to write a song. Also, I have to like tour. Also, I have to do all this. So it's really hard. But uh, we have, we've built a really good team. Um, and I think part of the growth has been like being mature enough to trust our decision and who we hire on our team and know that like, we hired them for a reason and they're great at their job. So like, that's their realm. Like we hired like a, a financial uh, manager. Um, we, we're signed with CAA, their booking agency. Yeah. They, they've been the best. Uh, Jeff Crohn's and Bennett Beckner, our agents. Um, and I mean, they're incredible. Uh, and they honestly have done an amazing job with our touring business. Um, and we have an attorney, uh, and then obviously Jameson and then the label. So yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's interesting to see the crew grow. And then also like this year is the first time that we've hired like a full crew. Um, like we have like a, a tour manager, front of house guy, guitar tech, merch guy, uh, lighting director, uh, photo, everything. So it's really interesting because there's this weird, like everyone's friends, but also is a business and like, they're employees of the band Camino. And while we are also the band Camino, because we're the band, we're also employees of the business. Right, right. Like, we're like co-CEOs, basically. Um, so, yeah, the, the business stuff is really crazy. And uh, 
it definitely I think a big part of the growth has been understanding like like I said like when you hire someone like they are there for a reason um and you don't have to micromanage everything and it's definitely something we've grown into um but I'm also glad that being from Memphis we do have like the grit and grind attitude and it was never like it was I mean we have had a lot of success but it was never an immediate like oh blew up overnight it was like a slow step by step I mean relatively it happened pretty quick um it's still happening but it definitely has been like a step-by-step process um so I think that our roots in Memphis honestly have a big part to do with like our work ethic and our business ethic and how we treat our employees um so yeah that's cool. Yeah. And so has there, has there been a point where you guys, you know, maybe have set like a goal for yourselves and then you actually met it and you're like, oh my gosh, we got to just keep setting other goals. Or was it always, you know, was it something from, I guess, from the beginning when you, when you guys maybe after other lens, when you realize like, this is something people like, or maybe it was after your mm-hmm. first North American tour where you're like, this is something that we are, you know, what we need to rethink our goals and how has that process been? Uh, yeah, so definitely the rethinking your goals thing happens like constantly, um, which is really so strange because anytime you meet like a a goal, it's never the way you thought it would be. Like it's amazing every time, but like in your head, at least for me, like I was like, oh, we're going to play Lollapalooza one day and it's going to be just like this. And then we did it and it was amazing, but it wasn't like the way I thought mm. at all. Um, but as far as like a goal for the band, I mean, we've always said from the beginning, which is like kind of why we got some, not hate, but like people are like, oh yeah, sure you are when we first started because we've always said like we want to be the biggest band in the world. Um, our like whole mission statement, I guess, is um, bands are cool. Uh, popular music is cool. Um, we want to make pop music. Uh, it's going to sound like us and like our spectrum of influences like some of our songs are ballads some are arena rock songs some are more like the indie pop thing um some are more laid back but it's still no matter what we make it's going to sound like the band camino because it's us four doing it um and we want it to be pop music like we're not ashamed of that moniker like a lot of bands are like oh no pop music sucks but we're like no like we want bands to be on the radio again um and we really want to be like a part of that um like we want to be just as big as like any solo artist you hear on the radio, except we want it to be a band and we want it to be like four very genuine, not superstar guys just doing what we love. Um, but yeah, we've always said we want to be the biggest band in the world. And I think earlier um, when it felt super far away, and it still it still seems far away, but um, it it was more like a theoretical concept. So it was easier, but then like, as you grow and I'm I'm not saying we're the biggest band in the world because we're definitely not yet. But uh, once you see like the path laid out of like, Hey, these are the steps you have to take to get there. Right. It gets a lot, it gets a lot scarier. Um, It's like, it's a lot more tangible. It's kind of like for a Grizzlies analogy. It's like before we got jaw, it was like, okay, we're rebuilding. So it's like, no one really cares about the season. It's like, whatever, just rebuild. Then we get John, like you see stuff happening and it's like more tangible, like, oh, we can make the playoffs. So then it hurts more when you lose and you're like, oh, like the path is there. It seemed like two years away, but now it's like yeah, a little bit more visceral, I guess. Um, so like in, in that way, it's it's kind of the same. It's like once you start making steps down that path, you're like, whoa, this is a lot 
a lot scarier. Um, but yeah, like adjusting your goals, like it is interesting because you're like, oh man, like one, I just really wish we could play, uh, sell out a 500 cap room like that. That'll never happen. And then it happens. And you're like, oh wow, like what's the next step? And I remember before our last headline tour, we went to see Maggie Rogers at Marathon and it was sold out. And uh, our agent, our agents were there and they were like, you guys are going to sell this out. Mm-hmm. And like, six months and I was like I almost had like a panic attack I was like no way and then we did it um and then now like in a week we're playing Bridgestone with Dan and Shay two nights and it's sold out <laughs> so it's very it's very weird um but yeah definitely I think you're constantly adjusting your goals and like at the same time being realistic but also like you can be confident without being arrogant and I think that's what we really try to toe the line between like we never want to be arrogant but at the same time we want to be confident in what we can do um but yeah and constantly just adjusting your goals based on where you're at is part of it and that's that's so cool and and as you mentioned next week y'all are opening for dan and shay y'all are going to be on the first leg of their tour right in north america yeah uh yeah i think it's from like now until April, basically. And then after that, you <laughs> you're gonna be with Five Seconds of Summer, right? Yeah. So after that, we're doing we're doing festivals. We're doing um, Firefly, Hangout, Bottle Rock, and Bonnaroo. Um, I think that's it. Um, and maybe like some more one-offs. Um, but then yeah, in the fall, we're opening for Five Seconds of Summer. We're direct support on that tour, which is all like amphitheaters, which would be crazy. Um, so yeah, the the year is kind of a little bit laid out, which is kind of nice to plan for. And then after that, who knows? I mean, we're working on music, but we don't know when that'll be out yet. Um, definitely this year we'll have some stuff, but working on a full length at some point. Uh, and then we're opening a lot this year. So this is kind of like our year of growth, I guess. Like Mm -hmm. we've committed to like, we're not going to be playing a ton of headlining shows, which kind of is not as fun. Um, but we're definitely growing a lot, setting up for like a really big 2021 headlining tour. So, well, that'd be cool. That's you're going to be. So if you're listening to this, you're going to be able to find a place to go see them because they'll be everywhere. Um, Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's, that's actually, you mentioned the Grizzlies. That's a really great segue. Um, So (laughs) how long have you been a Grizzlies fan? I know you grew up in Memphis, but how long have you been a fan? uh, I mean, since I was like, I mean, I was really young. My first memory of like professional sports and the Grizzlies would be my dad took me to see us play. It was when Steve Nash was on the Suns. So probably the last season he was on the Suns. Um, I don't know when that was. I think probably but... like 2010 or 2010 was the last time they were really good, the Suns, but maybe like a couple years after that or something. Yeah, I want to say it was either like 09, 010. Oh, so before. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, I, I was pretty young. Um, and they killed us. We had nosebleed seats, and me and my dad walked down to courtside because no one was there. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, it wasn't like full on courtside, but it was like behind the bench. And I was like, this is so cool. And he was like, we're not that good. And I was like, I don't care. This is so cool. <laughs> so then I, from then on, I got like obsessed with the NBA. Um, and I've been a Grizzlies fan ever since. Uh, my favorite moment was. Uh, I was at the forum when we played the Spurs and Zebo hit that three pointer. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a buzzer beater, but it was like the dagger, basically. Yeah. Um, 
and everyone's like chanting Zebo. I think we won the series that night. Um, I think maybe yeah. we didn't. It but. was definitely one of the one of the last. Whether it was game, you know, four or game six, it was it was in the latter half of the series. Yeah, it was correctly. either it was either when we went up in the series or won it. But right. Anyway, um, that was like really when I got hooked. And uh, during that playoff, I I got to actually like go on the court and play like one of the games. So that was fun. Oh no way. Yeah, and I realized how tall everyone is. Like, I mean, I'm like five eight, <laughs> but when you're like on the court, you're like, even like Monty Ginobili, that was the guy that I was like, I thought he was small, <laughs> but then I saw him like at the level I was on and I was like, Oh my God, this dude's big. Um, so that was cool. Um, been a fan ever since, uh, since I moved to Nashville, it's been harder to go to games obviously, but me and Spencer, the other huge Grizzlies fan in the band, we, uh, we have league pass. So we try to watch and then I watch them all on Hulu. It's really nice on league pass are having league pass while touring because you can watch games all the time. Yeah. Uh, I was and then in, in Europe, like all the games came on at like three or 4 a.m. for us. Um, but we were usually up because we had to drive all night anyway. Um, so that was nice. But yeah, uh, definitely keep up. Um, I'm a huge fan. I love John Morant with all my heart. Uh, we actually, um, our one of our songs is on the Memphis travel commercial that yeah, they play like, dude, during I, the Grizz games. I literally had that is, as like, my next coolest. question. It, it, if you haven't, if you've never heard Band Camino, but you're a Grizzlies fan, you've heard the Band Camino because you, I, I think it's See Through, right? Is that the song? Yeah, yeah, it's so See Through. I think it's one of the coolest commercials I've ever seen. Dude, it, it's it, so Jameson um, did that without telling us as a surprise because, like, we all, when we moved to Nashville, like, and got signed, like, one of the big things to label ass was like do you want to like say you're from memphis or nashville and we really we say we're from memphis but like it basically just says tennessee based now because it's like so people don't understand the the distance between memphis and nashville is not far when they're right. not in tennessee but anyway we were like we really want to keep the memphis thing like we don't, we don't want to ditch that so they're like, all right cool we'll try to like work that and jameson talked to someone and they were like, yeah, we'll use that. And I saw the commercial and I like cried the first time. Dude, like, it's so cool. It honestly is. I mean, it's, 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 it makes Memphis look, I mean, even if it wasn't our song, I would be like, this is great. Um, but I'm really, really proud that they chose that song because like Memphis music tradition is incredible. Um, and like, that's like a big part of my life too. Cause like my uncle was a Stax record artist. Um, so like, I love like the history of like blues and like R and B and all that. But I think Memphis really like would benefit more from focusing on the next generation of artists. So like it was really cool that they chose that for the travel one. But also like anytime I watch the Grizz game, every time it comes on, I get chills. Like it's exciting every single time I see it. Like it's like I forget that it's there. And it's not a short commercial either. I no, mean, yeah, it's like they have through long. through the bridge of, I mean, basically your song till the end and yeah. It's and then it, Jaw smashes the guitar exactly like it, at, so at the sick. very beginning, and I think that's such a cool, uh, I guess, comparison. And in, in that they have Jaw Morant in there, you know, if this commercial was made five years ago, I feel like it would have only felt right to have some sort of like R and B or blues yeah, from yeah. you know the seventies, eighties, or something like that, or even before with Zebo yeah. and Tony. But now it's like Jaw Morant, and then it just feels right with your your music. And not only that, but you see the full stre- spectrum of what Memphis has to offer in in like a one minute commercial, and it really is. I mean, it it seriously yields an emotional reaction if you're from Memphis, and I, I can't imagine what it does for you guys just hearing your song being the song that is you know like it's it's dude it's so cool <laughs> it's super it's, cool 
it's it's one of the coolest things. Like, I mean, I guess technically, like we've done quote unquote bigger and like cooler looks on stuff, but that one is like the one that I still think is the coolest thing, no matter what. Yeah. Um. So I want to get your thoughts on sort of where the Grizzlies are right now, because yeah. we are, as you mentioned, we were we're in a season right now where expectations were exceedingly low. Uh, John Morant was obviously going to be uh, a great player, but we don't yet have, and we st- we still don't have the tools around them to actually, you know, make a run in the playoffs. We're still missing those guys, and they there were there were steps taken, maybe at the tra- trade deadline, depending on what your opinion was of that with Justice Winslow. But there's an obvious plan in place, but we never thought we would be at a point right now where we were uh, fighting for a playoff spot, and we've we've also hit a rough patch. In the last kind of two weeks, and that has to do with a lot of the, the schedules and injuries, and and other teams just kind of keying in on us. But what yeah. are what are your thoughts right now, just around this team, and what your expectations were at the beginning of the season versus where they are now? So uh, honestly, I am super excited, even though like we've been in a bit of a slump. I think it's like amazing that we're here, um, especially because like my my thing with the Grizzlies was like. I felt like it was so hard for us to let go of the grit and grind thing and like move on. Um, so I'm so glad that we did it. Uh, so that, that's good. First of all. Um, and then Ja, I remember me and my girlfriend were watching the, the lottery and when we oh. didn't get the third or we didn't get the fourth, didn't get the third. I was like, Oh my God, like we're either getting Zion or Ja, like either one I'm fine with. And we got two and I was like, all right, Ja Moran it is. And I started like watching his highlights more. I, I watched him a little bit, but I mean, he wasn't that really on the radar until like the last half of the season. Um, so I started watching more and I was like, Oh, this guy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he even ex- exceeded my expectations. We went to see a preseason game. We were on tour. We had an off day in Memphis. Um, our photo guy, Ryan uh, Watanabe, he's from LA and he's the biggest Lakers fan. I know. Oh. Um, and it's actually I respect him because he's been a Lakers fan. Like he went to like the 08 uh, okay. championship. Like, okay. like he and like he's like like met Kobe when he was a kid. Like got a picture with him and like he went through like the dark years of being a Lakers fan too. So he's legit. So he's legit. I respect him. Um, and huge basketball nerd. And we brought him to a Grizzlies game. He had only been to like games in like Staples Center, so that was different. But he was like, dude, Jaws, awesome. Uh, we played the Hornets, and they beat us in the preseason. Um, but we were like, dude. So I made, I made a partial Grizzlies fan out of him. But seeing John in person, I was like, okay. But yeah, this season's been great. Um, I, I like the moves we made at the trade deadline. Um, I like Jay Crowder a lot. Um, they thought he was a great Grizzly. Uh, but I honestly, I love that we got Justice Winslow. And I love that we got rid of Andre Iguodala because he's a bum. Uh, Preach. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's been great. And Gorgie Dang, I think, is an underrated uh, addition because we really needed a backup big man. And he can also shoot the three better than I thought he could. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. And then Jordan Bell as well, um, which he should be getting minutes, I guess, with all the injuries. Yeah, he's gotten um, in a little bit the past couple of games, but not a ton yet. But, yeah, he's, yeah. he's I mean, not he an unplayable really, player. He was solid on the whatever his role was with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we made good good moves. Like I think the past like year and a half or like season plus preseason has been like uncharacteristically good of the Grizzlies front office. 
So I feel pretty good about it. I'm a little apprehensive, but I still feel really good. I think we signed Dylan Brooks to a really reasonable contract. And I'm also a huge Brooks fan. Like I know that he's like divisive uh, on like Grizzlies Twitter, basically. Yeah. But I, I mean, he scores and like the thing with the Grizzlies ever since I can remember is we always need a wing that can score. And I know that he's kind of streaky, but still when he's not scoring, he plays really good defense. So I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a guy that we have argued over probably the most this, this year uh, in our podcasts. And yeah. I, I started the season just kind of frustrated with Dylan. And it, for us, it was all about, you know, at the end of the day, what are you going to have to pay him? And I think that was going to determine a lot of the feelings, but I feel the same way as you do, which you sign a guy like that to with with a high ceiling and with a few obvious, you know, things he's got to work on, but it's a very reasonable contract and yeah. he's a guy who's proven he can score. I mean, last night against the Kings, we're recording this on the Saturday that we're going to play the Lakers February 29th, but last night against the Kings, he was you know, with all the injuries, you're having to rely on a guy like Dylan Brooks, and he's he's got the confidence needed in order to step into that role. He's not scared to take the biggest shot, for better or for worse, but yeah. sometimes it's gone in this season more often than it hasn't. So that's been a cool thing to watch. Yeah, and there was one game, I can't remember, but um, his like his shots just weren't falling. Like He had scored like a good amount in the first half, and his shots just weren't falling. And so I was watching him like, pretty closely because this was like right when everyone was like talking the most crap on him. So I was like, all right, what's he going to do? And he just started playing great defense, like Patrick Beverly type or like Tony Allen type, like just throwing his body everywhere. And they asked him in the post game, he was like, I just stopped making shots. So I started doing that. And after that, I was like, I like that. Yeah. He Um, he definitely endeared himself to Memphis too, with the whole Andre Iguodala drama as well. Uh, So I think that was a great PR move. all the young Grizzlies, like, I love that they, like, talk shit, basically. Yes. Like, I, I love it. Um, especially, like, being someone that's on Twitter, like, it's just, it, it, you can engage it to a certain level, but then it's, like, at some point you have to disconnect with, like, talking crap to people because people talk crap back. <laughs> um, but I love that they do it, and I love that kind of the whole NBA is embracing beef again. Um, that makes it a lot more fun for me. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it's going to be interesting. We have the Lakers tonight and then we have a little bit of a break. We're playing Atlanta and Brooklyn and we can get back on our feet, but it's it's crazy what I said. We had a podcast this last week where we were sort of we called it the losing streak support group where we were basically yeah. just talking about, you know, what what are the reasons and what what can we look ahead to? And I thought that, you know, one of the points that we made was it's it's actually crazy that we're even frustrated right now. We did not even expect to be at a place in yeah. this season where we were frustrated about the current play uh, just because all these moves that they were making are geared towards the future. So it's almost like, you know, you're it's it's well the phrase we've used is icing on the cake. So it's been such a fun season for that reason. And, and even in the downturns, it's. You know, it's fun to be frustrated at the end of the day yeah, yeah. with this team because of your expectations. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I kind of like to bring another analogy to like the band thing. Like, it's so funny. Like, sometimes we'll get like upset with a show, and then like, then I'm like, wait, why am I upset about like a technical problem that happened when we just played for like 1,500 people? Yeah. Like, if you had told me like three years ago 
that we played for that many people, I wouldn't care what would happen. And it's kind of like we weren't expecting to be good this season. And so if you had told us, like, after we had traded Mike um, that, like, we would be having this problem right now, we'd be like, cool. Like, let's have a losing streak while we're trying to compete for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, so, you know, you – are you going to be able to? I guess y'all are leaving on a tour, but do you have any any chance to make it back to the forum for any more games this season? So me and Spencer have already said that if we get in the playoffs, we're buying tickets no matter what because we're off um, during the playoffs. Oh, that's good. Um, we will have time during the Dan and Shay tour um, because it's like mainly like Thursday through Sunday. Um, shows like that's kind of how country routing works. I'm not sure why, but it's really cool. We just go out for the weekend, basically. Um, so we might have time, but we'll also be like riding a lot and doing a lot of other stuff, preparing. So maybe not, but definitely if we make the playoffs, um, especially since it would probably be against the Lakers. Uh, Ryan, our photographer, was like, "I will fly down to Memphis to see a game." Oh yeah, I love. That. Uh, so we've already like made a deal and like set aside the money that if we make the playoffs, we're going. That's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I still think we will. Honestly, yeah. like, it might be kind of a hot take. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like everyone is like, oh, Zion's rookie of the year now. Pelicans are back. It's like, okay, I love Zion. But Ja has, like, done way more all season. Um, and he's changed, like, the course of the franchise, basically, which also Zion is going to do, too. But anyway, I, I think that – I still think our team, when we're all healthy, is actually – the perfect eight seed. Like, I don't know if we could beat the Lakers in a series, but I definitely think that we could take them um, a few games. Uh, And then there's a lot of teams in the West that like I've seen us play that I know would be in the playoffs that I'm not like really scared of. Yeah. Like, like the Rockets, like if we're healthy, not, not scared of that, but anyway, we'll see. But I I still think I, I have a lot of hope that we'll be the eight seed. I love that. Uh, okay, Graham, we're, thank you. Just This has been amazing. We're, we're going to get you out of here on some rapid-fire questions, and then we'll wrap Sweet. up here. Um, okay, so I've got a list here. I'm just going to go through them one by one. Favorite city to play besides Memphis? Hmm, uh, New York, I think. Favorite venue to play? Hmm, uh, Bridgestone Arena. Hasn't happened yet, but it'll be my favorite. I love it. <laughs> All right, favorite song to play in y'all set? I like Haunted a lot. And See Through. Both are good, but Haunted probably. Okay, what's your favorite part of a show? Whether that's like the first song, is the encore, is it something in between? What's your favorite part of a show night to night? Um, I kind of like the middle half once we're like, like the first few sh- or songs, you're always kind of like judging the crowd. And like trying to see like how they'll react and getting in the groove of stuff. I like the middle part where you're like, you've kind of got the crowd and they're along with you, and like you can kind of. That's when you can make more like interaction with them a little, a little bit than with the other bandmates. So I like that part. Your go-to meal on tour. Go-to meal. Um, I really like Chipotle or like a, like a burrito bowl. That seems to be like the easiest, like semi-healthy thing we can get on the road. Yeah, but we always we always have hummus in the green room, so I eat a lot of hummus. Favorite Memphis restaurant? Ooh, um, Jeff would say Huey's because um, he worked there, and I love Huey's. But I would probably say Barbecue Shop. 
Oh. oh no, no, Pete and Sam's actually. Oh yeah. yeah. That that's like my family is like every Christmas we go there. Yeah, Pete and Sam's. I love that. Best Grizzlies game you've seen live? Uh probably the Spurs one. Uh where Zebo hit that three. That was uh yeah, that's probably the coolest. Favorite all time Grizzlies player? Ooh. Um probably Zebo. Yeah. Will Ja I'll get you out of here on this. Will Ja when it's all said and done, be the best Grizzly of all time? Yes. Unless something catastrophic happens, which I don't even want to think about. But yes, I think so. I love it. Graham, this has been awesome. If you guys, if we make the playoffs and you guys are back in Memphis, we'll have to get you in studio uh, for Dude, an interview, uh, you and Spencer both. But thank you so much for taking the time to join on the Grizzden podcast. This has been awesome. Uh, good luck to you guys. Uh, a lot of fun stuff happening. We'll be supporting you here from Memphis and just uh, what you've already done is astounding and we can't we can't wait to see what you guys are going to do next. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, have a, have a great weekend, Graham, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cool, man. See you. All right, let's get to some segments. Uh, we only got a couple. First one, Grizz History Moment. Uh, guys, I tweeted it out today. Uh, on this day, exactly one year ago, Mike Conley had his career high. Still Four, love you, Mike. 40 points. Uh, I thought this was just appropriate. Uh, we talk a lot about John Moran on this podcast. We talk a lot about how much we got in the Mike Conley trade. Uh, we're definitely in a uh, in the beginning of something new here, and it's also uh, really special, I think, to take a moment and just think back to just how good Mike Conley was because he's not playing well right now in Utah. Uh, that's been widely discussed, and yet this is a guy that 365 days ago dropped 40 in a game on the Portland Trailblazers who were the Western Conference Final in the Western Conference Finals that year. Uh, Mike, we love you, brother. We really do. Mike, You, there's n- absolutely no chance you will ever listen to this podcast. But I named my dog after you, man. I mean, do you still I, have that dog? I, I rehomed him just like you got rehomed to Utah. So this is sad. real talk. I'm crying a little. I love you, Mike. I do well. What are we doing? Next? Shout out, Mike. <laughs> All right. Shout out, Mike. Our second and final segment of the podcast. Let's talk playoffs. All right, Brantley. Let's tee this up. So there are 20 games left, right? Uh, we play uh, the Mavericks in Dallas tomorrow night. So we sort of have all agreed, I think, that the magic number is 500 to keep the to keep the eight seed, like right? Like pretty safe. Right, safe, like if we, safe bet. If we get less than five hundred, it's going to be real <clears throat> tight. Right. So, to, so right now we're at five hundred. Yep. Which means you got to win ten games. Yep. So, what I'm going to do? I'm going to read off the games really quickly, and time will are going to respond in real time, and they don't. They sort of know the schedule, but they don't, and they're going to keep up with how many wins we get to. And at times, we may make some. Uh, make a, a case or a rationale for why we think we'll get that dub or maybe some considerations. But let's roll through this really quickly. Uh, for sake of clarification, as we move into this, we have two more back-to-backs left. Um, I will call those out. So tomorrow night at Dallas. I'm going loss, taking an L. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little split on this one, but I'll take an L as well. Each of you keep up with your own individual win counts, please, cool. okay. on your own thingies. Yep. Uh, home against Atlanta. Win. Oh, and I'm sorry. That's a back-to-back. So coming back home is Doesn't a back-to-back. Doesn't matter. Atlanta's yeah. so bad. Thank you. 
Uh, home against Orlando. I'll I'm take a win. I'm going to say win, too. At Portland. I'm going to say our third win in a row. So we don't know if Dame's going to be back, right? Yeah. This is about here. when Jaron might be back as well? Um. Yeah. Okay, Along so. with the other guys. Um, in Portland, I'll, we have to get one of the next two against them, and I'll say it's more likely right now that we do. We're on okay. a hot streak. Okay. At Jazz. Loss. Loss. At Spurs. I'm going to go loss. I'll go win. Back-to-back, home against the Thunder. I think we lose that one, too. Yeah, I'll go loss. They're playing so well. At the Bucks. Loss. Yeah. yeah that's home against the Pelicans. I think we win that one. Mm, we're yes, due. yes, 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 we're yes. That's no season. cheating. Don't be looking at that schedule, Ty. That's a Saturday Sorry. night. Shut your computer. It's just in front of me. That's going to be a huge game. At the Pelicans. Grizz, show up to that game. It's the 21st, I'll March say, 21st. I'll say loss yeah, for the too. second. Me too. Back-to-back, home against the Celtics. Loss. Uh, okay, yeah, loss. Where are we right now with uh, your wins? I'm at five wins. I have four. Okay. Um, home against the Raptors. Loss. At the Raptors. Wait a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I think we split. The so Raps? know what's coming. I think we're going to cool. win at home against them. Okay. Uh, I have five now. Okay. At the Raptors. Loss. Yeah, I'll go two losses. Knicks. Win. Win. They're the worst. Home against the Mavs. I'll take a win. win. At Blazers. Loss. Yeah, me too. At Nugs. Mm, loss. Yeah, altitude. They're going to be pushing for that playoff spot too. Home against the Thunder. I like I like home against the Thunder. I'll go win. Home again. Sorry, Will. Will, what do you think? How many do we have left? I don't know. Just that's don't why look we're, that's why we're playing this thinking. game. Um, I'll take a win. Okay. Home against the Sixers. It depends on who's healthy. I'm imagining everyone. I think back. it's fair. These are the last. We got two more games left. Home against the Sixers is the next to last game. They may have already clinched their playoff seed, which I think is important to sort of talk about. I would about. say but they're in like the sixth spot right now. Like they're down in this. Like they may still be fighting for home court. But that that race is not really tight, right? It is tight. They're all the like mid. The mid East is tight. Wins. Yeah, they're tight. Like them and the Pacers. I don't. The Eastern Conference. You're dead to me. I I don't keep up with you. As it much is as tight. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take an L on that one. I'll take a win. Philly is a tough matchup because they are huge. They are. We didn't play well they against them last time. Well. There's so 10 games well. separating Philly and Brooklyn, so they can't fall any more than what they currently but the are. Six, five, and but the 6-5-4 But the 4-5-6 is yep. – I mean, the 3-4-5-6 is all pretty tight. Yep. Okay, so. I'm going to still take a win. I'm going to take a loss. Uh, last game at the Rockets. I'll, I'll take a loss. Loss. Okay, how many wins you got? I have nine. Nine. Oh, man. Mother. <laughs> well, there were a couple in there. I mean, Raptors. Could we? Split? I took two losses. Can we split I mean, against the Raptors? Can we split against New Orleans? Can we split against Portland? I think. Key can we, you take both Portland games? I think that's Could a. I think those are. That's a swing matchup. I think uh, there's a chance Dame maybe comes back or doesn't really come back full strength or doesn't try, but just because of his injury and they're not really in the playoff race. We referenced it at the very beginning of the podcast and uh, in the beginning section at least, but. The having a one in three record against the Kings really really hurts right now. And both of those last two were very winnable. Just so you, yeah, I especially the most recent. I looked at the scores. We were we only have a minus six point differential 
over those four games yeah. against them, and we went one and three. So that's tough. But they're they're streak they're they're very streaky. Uh, they're they're a on good a, team. They should yeah. be better than us. They have built so like this season should be their playoff season. Yeah, like they had a really good year last year. They won upper thirties in games, thirty eight, thirty nine, maybe something like that. Like this was supposed to be their year to kind of take that leap. So like out of all the teams that are pushing for us, like the Pelicans, the Blazers for sure. Um, but the Kings should be right there. Like if I'm a Kings fan, my thought is like we should we should make this eight seed this year for sure. Like as a Grizz fan, you're not expecting to make the eight seed this year. And I've I you know for sake of transparency, I've been writing off the Blazers, and I totally misread the standings as of today. They are more in the hunt than what I've been leading um onto. So they're, they're three games back, correct? They're three games back, and they are the closest to us. They correct? are the closest the to us. Last night, for some reason, I looked at it, I thought it was the Kings and not the and not the Blazers. So I've no, been they're tied. They're tied. They're both three and a half actually. Okay. Three and a half. Okay. I've misspoken a lot the past uh, thirty seconds about the the Blazers. So. Just forget everything I said about them not being a contender <laughs> if Dame's back. That may be tough to split. So I want to bring up something. We kind of talked about this during the break, our long break of the pod, is outside of, like, scheduling and wins and stuff like that, like the meaning of the playoffs this season. Um, for the Grizz organization, for our young players, for the city of Memphis, how important, like, what would it mean to y'all to – to make the playoffs this year, what does it look like in the grand scheme of the organization? We are in the very, very beginning stages of a new Grizzlies team, front office, everything to do with the Grizz. This is all new. Grizz next gen. How important is it to make the playoffs? We've kind of talked about in the past, like it's honestly like Chris Harrington referenced this. It's important that we're playing in meaningful games. Win, lose, or draw. We are playing in games that matter. Our young guys are put in situations that are really tough and difficult. I think that's very important. Outside of that, though, like the next step, what does it mean to make the playoffs this year? And how does that kind of maybe rocket this Grizz Next Gen into the next, let's say, decade? What do yeah. you think? So, so this has nothing to do with my belief in our talent. Uh, this next statement that I'm about to say, but I think the next year or two after this season is going to maybe be a tougher year, a couple years for us to make the playoffs than what it was this year. And the reason why is because sort of my assumption is that at a, at a minimum, you've got the Warriors back in the hunt uh, with Curry, Clay, Draymond, and whomever they may, you know, with um, uh, Wiggins kind of in that, you know, talent realm. I think they're gonna they're gonna be taking a seed from someone, um, and then you potentially have other kind of up and coming teams uh, or a team like the Blazers. Who like what are they gonna do? Are they gonna blow it up or are they gonna just talent add to try to like fight for fight for too, their spot and a lot of injuries? So. Uh, that being said, the reason why I'm, I'm about to make my statement is that I think it means a lot right now for the young core to make the playoffs because we've had this um, very momentous type season for them where they're, they're tasting success, seeing what it feels like. For the fans, you've had these couple of down seasons and you've had this unexpected season pop up. That's just so joyful that 
to sort of have it culminate in a playoff berth that's you know sort of promising this anticipation of the future because I do I, I think the if I were a betting person realistically the next two to three seasons unless if we just make some huge acquisition which is possible it, it's possible we're going to be on the outside looking in in the playoffs um, you know from a Western Conference perspective so I would love to see us end and and kind of tie a, a, a tidy bow around this season because I think a lot of Grizzlies fans, whether new or old, are going to put this maybe in their and we've talked about this some their top two or three favorite seasons from a franchise perspective because it was unexpected. You've got these young rooks coming up. All this it's just been hella fun. Like our like our buddy uh, Valanciunas likes to remind us of the basketball is fun to play. It's fun to watch too. So that's kind of my just um, immediate emotional reaction to all of that. Yeah, I, I'm. It I go back and forth depending on the day. So I mean, it's just it, it's one of those things where the 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 moves that we've made, uh, it is very obvious that the franchise is looking long term. Uh, there haven't been any moves that have suggested that they are necessarily invested in winning this season, and despite all that, we're winning. And so I think that it is going to be a lot of validation. Um, but at the same time, we're I feel like we've already this team is already validated. I think they've they've gotten the respect from the outside. They've gotten the respect from our the team, the guys like us who are just like watching this team dissecting every single moment. I mean, we come in here, and I think there's only been one or two pods where we've been down on them for whatever reason. And so I think that it's been it's it's one of those things where I I tend to think that I'll be satisfied no matter what happens. Um, because I think we're going to be really close, and I think that um, you're. If we don't make it, I think that our guys are going to come back super hungry next year, and I think that could be really motivating to think what are the what are the small things that if they were different, if I had tried just ten percent harder in these moments, we could have been you know in a position to be in the postseason. And yet, if, on the other side, if they make it, how exciting to see FedEx Forum packed. And just, I, I'm already, I mean, I've, already, I've been saving for these playoff tickets ever since we were like trending upward. So I, I can't wait. I mean, I've, I can't, I can't even put it into words how excited I would be. And yet at the end of the day, it's exciting to think that nothing that we've done this year has been in preparation for this specific season. So I think it's kind of both, which is a great place to be. My, one of my thoughts I guess January is when we were really like, what's going on, right? Like, October is when the season starts now. End of October wasn't great. November, you could maybe see some flashes. December, you could be like, okay, we're starting to kind of come together. January, we were like a completely different team than we've been. A thing that I kind of thought of is we – in my mind, I could be completely wrong, and this is just this is just my feeling. We are, <clears throat> if you look at a five, six, seven, eight-year window, we are the worst that we will be right now as, as a team. You could argue that we will get worse later. Our two best players are 20. You would think 
they will grow and blossom into the stars that we all think they will become. If we make the playoffs this year, and again, this could just be me, like Homer hat, I got four of them on right now. <laughs> if we make the playoffs right now with the youth of our team, the changes that have happened, this is all so new. But you have this feeling that we've talked about this in the past. Something is brewing here. Like something special is happening. If this is the worst that we will be and we will continue to grow every year, I truly think we will be championship contenders down the road. When that is, I have no idea. I think Ja can be a top five player in this league one day. It could be two years from now. It could be six years from now. It could be eight years from now. I'm not really sure. I think Jaron can be the second best player on a championship team. Again, not this year. Could be two years. Could be five years. Could be six years. The thought I keep having is if those two things align, if Ja is a top five player in the league and Jaron develops into this just freak of nature, which he's already showing flashes of now, and all of these classic guys that have been dominating the league thus far, Steph, Clay, the, the Warriors, five, six years, who knows? Lakers, LeBron's going to be like 60, who knows? AD's still going to be in the mix. Sure, Lakers, you know, you have free agency, you have money in different places, franchises, sure. But if we can cultivate this culture and grow this team, I truly think something special, special, special can happen. And I think if we make the playoffs this year, I think that proves to everyone and kind of keeps that like glimmer, the light at the end of the tunnel of what like can be. And maybe I'm looking way too much into it because at the end of the day, if we don't make the playoffs, I think ultimately that's okay. But if we make it now, I think that just proves that man in the future, we could like, we could be in the, not just like playoff contention, but like championship contention. And that's crazy rare for Memphis. I also just to put that's a great summary and I almost don't want to follow it up with this, but just the one little thought that I have is that from a selfish perspective for how much Jaw has done for this team and we talk about him a lot because his impact is invaluable. I want his rookie of the year campaign, which he's going to win, to have the lead the Grizzlies to a playoff berth in his rookie season. That sounds dope. Special stuff happening here in Memphis, Special. Tennessee. Uh, guys, this has been another edition of the Grizzlin Pod. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate and review, subscribe, follow us on the, all the socials at Grizz underscore Den, Instagram at Grizz Den, on Twitter. Check out GrizzDen.com if you want some fly shirts. Go listen to Band Camino. Go listen to Dope. Band Camino. Thanks again to Grand. Uh, those guys are awesome. We hope that they're back uh, with us in studio, assuming we make the playoffs. That's another reason to want to make the playoffs, right? Yeah, I want the band to be here. Let's go. That's right. Uh, thanks for joining us again. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>